This week's parsha is really fascinating. Um, getting the Torah. What could be more important than the parsha about getting the Torah at Har Sinai? And it says a fascinating thing. Everybody knows that Har Sinai was the biggest of all mountains, right? No, everybody knows that it was the smallest of all mountains. It's actually a mountain range. I don't know. You know, if you go, you'll see. I mean, they say that that's Har Sinai. But, uh, but it's, it's the smallest of all mountains, and everybody knows, right, all the, the, the medrash that says that uh, all the uh, mountains argued, give it on me, I'm bigger. They gave it on Har Sinai. Why? Why Har Sinai? Because it was the smallest. It says that Mayim is like Tyra. What Tyra is like Mayim. That what? That water goes to the lowest of places. In order for you able to, to be able to learn Tyra, you have to make yourself small. You don't have to, you can know who you are. Anivos doesn't mean that uh, you have a low self-esteem. Anivos means that you know who you are compared to the Rabbi Shalalem. So it says, Moshe Kibel Misinai. It says, the beginning of Pirkei Avos, that Moshe Rabbeinu accepted the Torah from Har Sinai, from Mount Sinai. Right? So Rabbi Khanan Wasserman says a fa- very fascinating thing. He says, Moshe Kibel Torah. Why Moshe? Moshe accepted the Torah. Why Moshe? Anybody know why Moshe was the one chosen? Torah says because he was Anav Me'od Mikol Adam. He was the biggest Anav. So it's that Moshe Rabbeinu says Hashem. How can I possibly go accept the Torah? How can I accept? I, I, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of receiving the Torah. How can I possibly receive the Torah? Who am I? Answer is Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai. He looked at Har Sinai and he saw if Har Sinai can get the Torah, that's the lowest of all mountains, then for sure me, who's the lowest, I can, I can also receive the Torah for Klal Yisrael because I am so low. I am, I am just you know, a regular person who tries as hard as we can. And you, you, you see the incredible power. The incredible, yeah. Question, sorry to interrupt. Uh, is there any element of, of practicality involved? I mean, if it was the highest mountain, you know, we know about climbing Mount Everest, <laughs> Sherpas, and, you know, is it, was there any practicality? On a physical, on a physical aspect or a spiritual yeah, aspect? physical, to be able to even make the, you know, for, for emotions, to be able to make the journey. Well, it does say that Moshe Rabbeinu was a very tall person, very physically fit, big, large person. At least that's the way he looked in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but it does say that he was, he was a very, very tall person, Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, but, you know, the, at, at the same time, it says that he had difficulty speaking. So, you know, he, you have both aspects of it. Um, uh, but, but what we're going to f- specifically focus on is this uh, ability of the individual, of the yachid who is not necessarily the biggest, yes? I had learned that it was the only mountain that never had a Dodazara. Oh, really? Never had what? It was a small mountain that wasn't seen uh, important enough. Um, so I got it. Of all the mountains in, in the world, I mean, just what I just, in that area, in that area. Okay. Um, so, um, you're more right, trust you. <laughs> the, um, in last week's parsha, it says a fascinating thing. It says that, you know, it says that when we, we came out of Mitzrayim, it says that chamushim alumi Mitzrayim, right? We came out of Mitzrayim uh, armed. One of the pshatim in Rashi is that one-fifth of Kalal Yisrael came out of Mitzrayim. One-fifth of Kalal Yisrael. In fact, Rashi quotes the Medrash that it wasn't only necessarily one-fifth. Some say it was one-fiftieth 
that came out of Mitzrayim. And some say that it was one five hundredth who came out of Mitzrayim. So if you can imagine, according to this pshat, that it was one five hundredth, uh, and, and uh, if you make the cheshben of how many people were by Harsinai, it comes out to about three million people were by Harsinai, right? Because it was 600,000, and that was men between 20 and 60. Yeah, you come to about three million people. So multiply that one five hundredth, 499 times that died in Mitzrayim, according to one of the pshatim. Or it was 49 times that that died in Mitzrayim. Or the smallest shot, it was four times that amount. So even according to the smallest shot, how many people died in Mitzrayim? 12 million people. 12 million people die in Mitzrayim and only one-fifth, the other three million come out. And Rav Schwab asks, how is this possible? I mean, if that's true, whether it be 12 million, whether it be hundreds of million, whatever pshat it is, it would come out that Kalal Yisrael got a much bigger patch, a much bigger maka than the Mitzrayim got. Kalal Yisrael, the Mitzrayim, okay, they lost their firstborn, they did, you name it. Kalal Yisrael lost hundreds of millions of people. And you're talking about a nuclear disaster that was beyond imagination. How many people live in the United States of America? A few hundred million? It was more than that. It died in Mitzrayim. Like, what's, what's shot? It's a very valid question. We're all afraid to ask it. Well, the Medrash says it, so it has to be. But it's a very valid question. And Schwab asks it. And he says a fascinating thing. It says um, that um, by Cain and Hevel, right? We know that there were the first two brothers. By the way, Rav Preshel, the Rav Narshul, he recently said, just today I heard him say, that if you look through brothers throughout the Torah, they're always fighting. Right. All the brothers are all <laughs> always fighting until you come to Maishan Aaron. Maishan and Aaron, they don't fight. Yeah, Maisha is uh, very, very happy that his brother Aaron is, he can be Maisha uh, him as the Kayan Gadol, and Aaron's very happy to greet Maisha Rabbeinu until this week's Parsha. But we find that by Cain and Hevel, Cain kills Hevel, and what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu say to Cain? He says, uh, I think he says, right? The bloods of your brother are, are, are crying out to me. The bloods of your brother are crying out to me. What does that mean, the bloods of your brother? So Rashi says, what's the bloods of your brother? He says, your brother is crying to me, and your brother's children are crying to me, and your brother's grandchildren are crying to me, and for generations and generations that were never born, they're all crying to me, because they were never around. So when, it, when, when he kills that one person, that one yachid, he's, he was actually killing hundreds, thousands, millions of people throughout the next few generations. Um, in fact, I, I, I read somewhere that somebody in Eretz Yisrael died, <coughs> an old man, he was uh, like 107, and uh, Svartigai, he got married when he was 20, he had 11 children, and all his kids had 11, 12 children, and all his kids, he died at his funeral, there were over 10,000 descendants at his funeral. Because, they, you know, you, you look, a few generations, and boom, suddenly it extrapolates, and you've got thousands and thousands of people. And, and that's what Hashem says to Kain. He says, Hevel dies, and, and, and that's it. There's nobody left. Schwab says that's what happened over here, too. He says that by, that by, the, um, that by this, by, by, by when, they came, when they died, he says, it really wasn't that many people. It was Yechidim. It was, it was a few people who weren't Roy. They weren't fit to go out of Mitzrayim. But if they would have been fit, if they would have been people that 
had worked on themselves and, and been on the level to be able to leave Mitzrayim and didn't care about Egypt and didn't want to stay in their fancy homes in Egypt or whatever it was and said, you know what, let's leave. If they would have been able to do that, their children and their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren would have been millions and millions and millions. And he says the machlokis is, if it's one-fifth or one-fiftieth or one-five-hundredth, is are you go, how, what the time span. Are you going until Matan Torah? Are you going until they got in Tarot Yisrael? Are you going forever? He says that is the machlokis, but really in truth, not that many people died. And the, and the proof, the riot to this is that it happened during Choshech. Why does it say that it happened during the Makkah of Darkness? so that the Mitzrayim wouldn't be able to tell. Well, if it would happen during the Makkah of, of, of Choshech and 300 million people died, <laughs> they would say, wait a second, you know what I mean? So he says that's his raya, that it really only wasn't, you know, millions of people, it was only a few people who was talking about their children, their grandchildren, great-grandchildren. You see a, a fantastic mm. power of the yachid, the, the, the one small person, what he can be, what he can become. Just like Maisha Rabbeinu, uh, what can he become? Harsinai, what is it? What can it become? Well, and I'll be though with the stars in the sky. Yeah. What does he become eventually? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And even today, you know, we, we, we still don't see it, but the the, the Havtacha is still there. The um Mitzashem Bakarvam. I'll just tell you one fantastic story uh, about a uh, the power of a yachid, the power of an individual. I'll, I'll I'll leave you with this. It's really an incredible story. The, um, you have plenty of time. I know, I'm sorry, but I do have to get to this bummer. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, the, when I was, I was in Eretz Yisrael this summer. I was in Israel this summer, and uh, we took a group of uh, 40 uh, Russian-American college kids to Eretz Yisrael. And we had a great time. We went up north, and we went to Yerushalayim, and we did all the fun stuff, and we did all the holy stuff, and we see rabbis and graves, you know, we did, we did all the important stuff. And the, the last day of the trip, um, of course, we went to the Kaisel, we went to everything. And the last day of the trip, um, we were supposed to go to the, blind mu- uh, the, the deaf museum. The deaf museum is really, really fascinating. There's a blind museum and a deaf museum. We went to the deaf museum, and the deaf museum is where you go into the museum and you wear an ear, earmuff, very, very powerful, you can't hear anything, mm-hmm. and you have to go through the whole museum as if you're deaf. And it's really interesting that the, the tour guide is deaf herself. She was, she was deaf. And you have to talk to each other somehow and communicate and get things. And you have to go, there's a store there. And you have to buy things at the store. And it's, it's, really, it's, it's really an experience. And it really puts you into the place to, a little nice about El Chavera to really understand how somebody else lives. Anyway, so I was very you know, moved by that experience. And I wanted everybody to come. I knew how powerful it would be. And one student came over to me and he says, Rabbi Kiva, I don't want to go to the museum. And I said, Aaron, why? What's, well, why don't you want to go? He says, well, I'll tell you the truth. We're in Israel, and we went to the wall, but we went as a group, and we only went for a short time. I'd like to go you know, back to the wall by myself and really spend time there. It's our last day in Israel, and I don't know when I'm coming back. I'd really like to spend time at the wall. So I, I knew Aaron, and I said to him, Aaron, I think it's a bad idea. You're going to get lost, because I know Aaron. <laughs> and uh, more than that, it's very complicated. You get to the old city, you get to the Jaffa Gate, and you got to walk through this and that. If you walk through the Arab section, you're in big trouble. If you don't walk through the Arab section, you're in bigger trouble. Whatever it is, yeah, to get to the wall is very, very difficult and very complicated. And I, I, I suggested he doesn't do it. He says, Rabbi, I really want to do it. Please, please, please. And I said, you know what? If you really want to do it, you're, you're an adult already. And... Uh, your life is in your hands. If you get arrested, I will go to the wall and pray for you. And, uh, hopefully, you'll get out. Um, but uh, but um, fine. So he went. I didn't hear from him. That night was our 
banquet that we, you know, our final night, everybody gets up and speaks, and Aaron got up to speak, and he says, I want to tell you what happened to me today. He says, uh, he says I got to the old city, and I had to go to the wall. He says, but I got lost. <laughs> I said, really? He said, yeah. So he says, so I'm looking around, and I see some, you know, religious guy, uh, and I go over to him, I say, excuse me, you know, where's the western wall? And he starts saying to me, and then he stops, and he says, you know what, I'll take you. <laughs> so I followed him, it was like a 15 minute walk, I couldn't believe it. We get all the way to the wall, and, you know, he's, uh, and he, you know, he helps me pray, and he helps me put on tefillin, and this and that. And I said to him, I said, uh, are you going to pray also? He says, no, 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 he says, I was actually just here. I was just here praying by the wall, and, you know, he says, you brought me back? You know, like, you, you were just here, and then you come all the way back? And he says, yeah, listen, I see a fellow Jew who needs to get to the wall. I'll help you out. And he says, okay, thank you very much. And then he prays, and then he says, so, well, where are you going? He says, well, I have to get to the wedding hall. He says, I'm getting married tonight. Ah. And, uh, you know, I was just at the wall to pray before my wedding. So, and he just looked at me and he says, he says, on your wedding day, you, like, <laughs> took your time out to walk me back to the wall. He says, yeah, listen, you're my brother, you're a Jew. And, uh, you know, I, you know it's, well, what am I not going to do for my friend? And it made such an impression on him. It made such an incredible impression on me. And it made such an incredible impression on everybody in the room. Where there's one guy who was getting married who didn't even realize anything because he left and that's it. He never heard another story again. But that story resonated for days and everybody would just keep talking about how can somebody do such a thing. And it made such an impression on so many people. It was, it was really incredible. So, you know, you think about the power of a yachid, the one person on, on one hand, the, the one yachid who, who, who died in, in Egypt, he didn't see his potential. But we, we have to see our potential. We have to see the future. And we have to be that Harsina and we have to be that Mashir Beno that is just one person, but we can actually give the Torah to the entire Kali Yisrael. And that's really what this parsha is about. And uh, that's really what our mission is about. So thank you very much for listening. I do apologize <laughs> I have to go. But... Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah.